Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you folks and to experience Baltimore. I, I, this is my first time in Baltimore, and uh, I've had a great time. The food's been amazing. Uh, the atmosphere is great, and uh, I'm believing God to do some great things. Amen? Um, you know, I uh, I get to travel now all over the world. I've been in, uh, just this year, I've been in eight countries. When I leave here, I go home for a few days, and then I get to go to Japan for, for 10 days. And uh, I want you to know that God is moving all over the earth. And uh, you're, you get to be a part of something very special. It's called the Church of, the G- of Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, it's a powerful organization. And I don't mean it just in, in terms of an organization. It's a powerful movement on the earth. Yes. And uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people every week getting saved. And uh, I'm excited about that. So I wanted to share a thought, a couple thoughts with you that the Lord dropped in my heart. And um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this and I'm going to hold this if I can. And because uh, I like to move around a little bit. And um, I'm just going to uh, just kind of go as the Lord ministers. I, uh, I've been privileged to uh, I started a ministry this year called Speak Life Canada. And uh, my whole motive is to speak life that encourages people and strengthens churches. And so uh, I, uh, I flow in the prophetic. Um, and so I want to minister to some of you this morning that the Lord would touch you and strengthen you and encourage you. How many need encouragement? Amen. Man, we all should need encouragement, right? Um, but if you have your Bibles, would you turn... Uh, I'm going to take two scriptures this morning. I'll, I'll refer to a couple more, but two scriptures. The first one is Ecclesiastes 3.1, and I'm going to read it from the Message Version. I want you to know something. The local church is really the greatest expression of, in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And uh, the, the thing that uh, is cool about the local church is that um, your friends become your greatest assets in life. And, uh, you know, I've been a part of one local church for 20 years, and uh, I have some of the greatest, my greatest friends are in that church, uh, greatest confidants are in that church. I, I've been connected to MFI for almost 30 years, and in those 30 years, some of my greatest friends in ministry are as a result of being connected to the local church. And uh, I just want you to know that the that people are your greatest asset. Amen? Amen. And uh, I, I want you to see something, that people can actually see your potential even sometimes before you can see your potential. Is that true? And it actually, they can actually open doors and give you opportunities that could never have happened, but it's through the local church that God connects you with people that can help you get to your destiny. And I want to say that to you, that right now, you know, regardless of where you're at as an individual, even as a, as a church, that God has divine connections that he wants to establish in your life. And he wants to establish them because he wants to help you get to your destiny. Say destiny with me, would you? Come on, everybody has a destiny here. Amen? Amen. And uh, I can tell you that uh, 30 years ago, probably a little bit more than that, 32 years ago, I was 22 years old, just graduated from college, came into a church very similar to this, and I, I, I was told I was going to be ministered to prophetically, and the guy prophesied over me, a guy I didn't even know from Ireland. His name was Barry White, not the singer, Ben would know him, but uh, 
you know, he wasn't singing love songs over me. He was just prophesied the word of the Lord. And he prophesied a number of things. He read my mail, read different uh, thoughts and uh, statements that I had made. And he talked about all my, literally, what I would be doing for the next my life, really. He just laid it out. And at the end of that part, he said, you're going to travel the world. You're going to prophesy. You're going to speak in conferences. You're going to, you're going to um, go to dark places. You're going to go all over the world. You're going to preach with other brethren. And I was 22, and I was thinking, is that going to happen? When's that going to happen? It didn't happen right away. But slowly but surely, all the other things began to you know, come into line and come into order. And, and I began to do all those things. And you know, just a few years ago, the doors began to open for me to travel all over the world. I want you to know God has a plan for every every person. Amen? So Ecclesiastes 3.1, let me read it from the message. It says, there's an opportune time. Say opportune. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on the earth. That word opportune, it ha- I'm going to give you some definition this morning. It's, it's this word. It, it means favorable, seasonable, and timely. The actual picture is actually a, it gives the idea of a ship coming into a harbor. That that ship comes from the roughness of the seas and it comes into a harbor and there's safety and protection. I love the name of your church. That you're a place of safety and protection. But opportune, it refers to something that is particularly fitting or suitable for a certain time. So it's not just for every time, it's for a certain time. That God has an opportune time for every person. He has an opportune time for you as a church. He refers to something that is seasonable and meets exactly the demands of the season or the occasion. Have you ever had that happen where you're going through a situation and something happens at the right time, at the right moment, and you go, that's exactly what I needed? Come on, we've all been there. And then it refers to something that is timely or is done at an appropriate time, especially in time to meet some need, a a timely intervention. I want to declare over you, and you know, this is kind of, I hope you catch it. I hope your spirit connects when I make statements. But I want to declare over you that I believe that you're coming into a season of divine intervention. That some of you are, have labored and you've waited and you're being, you've been patient to see God move in your life. You've been crying out for God to do some things and God is going to bring some timely interventions. Can I hear an amen to that? Does anybody witness with that? That you're believing God for some timely interventions? You're believing God to move in a situation or a circumstance? God wants to do that. And then the last thing it says, it's a place where everything comes together. That there's a moment in time where everything will come together. And I, I want to encourage you, in the midst of the journey, remember there will be moments where everything will come together. Where you'll be living in the grace and the favor of God in such a way that it is just the, the opportune time. I love this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of an opportunity. You know, you guys are a great church. You're, you're just, you know, really on the, on the, on the cusp of doing something great in your city. Amen. And you've done some great things, but listen, you're about to do some even greater things. God's going to open up some things. God's going to open up some new doors and new opportunities already doing it in, in the spirit. But I, I want you to know that God is a God of opportunity. Yeah. And he's giving you some opportunities and it requires that we have certain things that take place in our life. 
Um, there was a Washington Post uh, article in May of 2015, and uh, it was a great, actually a great article on the church. And I, I you, you get really surprised when, when the newspapers start writing about the church because they tend to be pretty negative. But this actually had some really great thoughts in it. And one of them was that over the past hundred years, Christianity grew from less than 10% of Africa's population to nearly 500 million today. That one out of every four Christians in the world presently lives in Africa. And they figure by the year 2030 that the estimates will be 40% of Christianity will live in Africa. And then Asia is also experiencing growth as the world's Christianity centers move not only south but east. In the last century, Christianity grew at twice the rate of population in that continent. Asia's Christian population of 350 million is projected to grow to 460 million people by the year 2025. That's pretty amazing. And there are estimates that put the number of Christians in Latin America at over 640 million. I read one statistic the other day. It's an older statistic, but it was 2012. And they said that um, across the world, I hope this gets you excited, across the world, 200,000 people were getting saved every day. Now just think about that. That's 1.4 million a week. If I do my math, I wasn't really great in math, but I'm pretty sure that's 1.4. Is there 1.4? 200 times 7 is 1.4, right? Yeah. 1.4 million people are getting saved every week. That was 2012. Come on, the church is alive. You get to be on the cusp of something great. I'm here to tell you that God's going to touch Baltimore in a significant way. God's going to move. Amen? Come on, you can say amen or ouch. One or the other. Just kind of interact with me. You know, I appreciate interaction. I'd rather have that than sleeping, right? Listen, uh, the Bible is really a present book. When you read the Bible, you should be in the present. Uh, It's a now faith. The Bible talks about now faith. And so everything that we do has got to be present. It's got to be living. It's got to be with this expectation. Faith hears, sees, and declares things before there's any physical evidence. Did you hear what I just said there? I said, faith hears, sees, and declares things before there's any physical evidence. Um, when when uh, my wife and I got married, we decided we want to have children a couple years later. And nothing was happening for about eight months. So we went up for prayer. We just came up for prayer. And our pastor was a prophet. And he prophesied this thing about my wife going to a shelf and taking something off and putting it back on. And he said, put it on the shelf, close the door, go about the work of the ministry. That God's seasons were not man's seasons. God's timing was not man's timing. But you would know that you'd know that surely the Lord had undertaken. So we settled it in our heart. We said, we're not going to worry about children. We're just going to trust the Lord, put it on the shelf, go about the work of the ministry. And uh, a month later, we found out that we could never have children that I was born sterile. That was a warm, fuzzy moment. And, uh, you know, what do you do at that moment? Well, you have to de- decide, are you going to believe God or are you going to believe the report? And so we chose to believe the word of the Lord and let the word of God frame our lives. And we began to go on a journey. And we had two failed adoptions and uh, held the little baby girls in our arm. But one of the things that we did... We were blessed. We moved into a new home and, and, uh, well, it wasn't a new home. It was a home and, and we were able to, uh, we, when we walked into the home, 
we walked through the rooms, and one of the rooms was decorated like a boy's room. And so I said to my wife, I want to buy this house just because of that room. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a name on the door, and we're going to, we're going to begin to declare that that will come to pass. And so we put his name on the door. His name was Joshua Joel. And, uh, and that's the only name we had. We didn't have a girl's name. We never picked out a girl's name. We had one name. His name was Joshua Joel. And every day I would walk into that room and I would be, by faith, I'd begin to declare, I'd begin to declare him to come forth. And God, you're a miracle working God and you're going to do it. And whether it was through adoption or whatever, uh, God, we're going to believe you. And, you know, nothing really happened. All our friends got married. They started having uh, kids, and we became godparents to about 13 kids. If they all died, we'd have to buy a new house. And uh, seriously, that's the truth. We, we went into a whole lot of stuff. And for uh, a number of years, we're talking five years later, um, my wife came to me one day and said, something's different. And so we started to do pregnancy tests. The first test turned and it was, it was, we were pregnant and we're sitting there going, crying, going, what's going on? What is this? Cause we tried pregnancy tests all, all through the years. And, and, um, then we got another pregnancy test and that failed. Then we got another pregnant, these things are not cheap. We got another one. And I think we spent about $125 on pregnancy tests that weekend. And uh, so we had one pass test, two failed tests, 6 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. I'm driving around our city looking for a pharmacy to find a pregnancy test. And I finally find one. Uh, we do the test. It doesn't turn. My wife wakes up and she's spotting. So now we go to church. We got three failed tests, one, one pass test, three failed tests. And, um, and my wife is spotting and we're walking to church. We go to church and we're standing in worship and then a friend gets up and he starts singing this song, In Christ Alone I Put My Trust and Find My Glory in the Power of the Cross. So we just stood there. I remember standing before the Lord and saying, God, it doesn't matter. I'll still trust you. I'll still believe you. I'll still stand on your promises. And so we went and got another pregnancy test. So by this time, I think it was five or six, and, and um, we get home, and the last pregnancy that, test that we had taken had turned, and then my wife took another test, and that had turned, and by that time we got home, her spotting had stopped, and so the next day we went to the doctors and got, a blood, got, blood, got blood work, and the doctor said, you're pregnant. A week later... He read my report, closed the report, put it on his desk and said, is this your husband's baby? <laughs> so my wife uh, gently told him that he, she was a Christian and, and uh, this was the only person that she'd ever been with. And she said, doctor, this is a miracle. You're about to see a miracle. And, um, you know, eight weeks later, he said, I'm not going to believe you until I see an uh, ultrasound. And eight weeks later, there's our little guy, we didn't know it was a boy. We didn't ask for that. There's a picture of our our son uh, in the womb. And so, you know, he was supposed to be born December 21st. He came, uh, came to, uh, came, he was born on December 1st. And his name is Joshua Joel. And last year I married him. And uh, he's living in my basement now. I'm never going to get rid of him. But... Uh, <laughs> But I want you to hear this, that there's a moment, there's a moment in your faith 
I want you to hear this. There's a moment in your faith, if you will stand in faith, where that faith becomes a reality. Now, I I want you to understand that it was always a reality in my heart. I, I was carrying him. I was declaring him. I was speaking him. And so there is an aspect where faith is actually the carrying of something that you actually haven't seen the manifestation of it in the natural. But in the supernatural, you're already manifesting it. Now, I'm here to tell you this, that God wants you guys to believe in faith for some things that you you are not seeing physically, but in your spirit, you're already seeing them. That God has things that he wants to do in and through your life. That The things that you're believing for, that if you will stand in faith, if you will stand with expectation, that they will become manifested in a season, in an opportune time. Amen, Gary. Good point. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've learned that I can be my own cheerleader, okay? Listen, if you're here today, God has opportunities for you. Come on, can I hear an amen to that? That God has things He wants to do for you. He wants you to live with a sense of expectation. That something good is about to happen. Come on, there's an old preacher who used to say, he'd stand up there and say, something good is about to happen. He believed it. Come on, something good is about to happen. Can you say that? Something good. Something good. And the reality is, is listen, God wants to make adjustments to our plans. You know, sometimes we have a certain plan and we have, you know, we're kind of, we think on a certain level and we say, this is the way it should be. But then God comes and says, well, if you'll let me, I'll adjust it and I'll speed it up. I'll accelerate it. I'll move it in a, in a different direction. I'll create something that you couldn't do for yourself. Are, are you prepared to do that? Or are we so structured in our little routines and our daily thing that we don't actually let God move into our lives? I've learned that uh, over my life that you have to just be be open to say, whatever, God. Like, whatever. I, I'll keep trusting you. I'll keep planning. But Lord, whatever. Whatever you want to do. If you want to change things, go ahead, God. Because God's changes are always better than our our plans. Yes. He wants to do something new. So let's look at this verse, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. This is the second verse. I just want to camp on this for a few minutes and then we'll jump out and minister to some people. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider things of old. Behold, say behold, 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 I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Behold, I will do a new thing. You know, moving to a new thing in God, it requires faith to pursue and to allow things to unfold at his pace and his ways and in his timing. We, listen, we must be willing to let go of the familiar to experience the new. Did you hear what I said? I say we must be willing to let go of the familiar to experience the new. I found that in, in my own life that when I, if I'm not careful, I can, I can just want to stay in the familiar. And God's saying, Gary, I want to take you into some new things. I want to take you into some things that are not what you, you're, you're used to. You see, this scripture, if you would read a few verses before, 
you hear Isaiah, he's prophesying and he's reminding the children of Israel of the things that God did. He delivered them from the Red Sea. He delivered them from the chariots. And then he comes to this verse and he says, hey, don't remember the former things. And what I think he's doing, and and you have to understand the context of this passage, is that he's actually prophesying to them when they're about to go into captivity in Babylon. They're not actually in Babylonian captivity. But he's prophesying, he's saying, hey, when you're in captivity... Don't remember just the former things. Don't remember how I brought you out of Egypt. Don't remember how I did all those things. In other words, I want to clarify it by saying this. There's an aspect of remembrance that we all need to remember. We have to remember that God's the God of victory. Amen? And so God is always going to get us into victory. Come on, can I can I hear an amen? Yes. That you're going to walk in victory. Listen, it doesn't matter what stage you're at, doesn't matter what battle you're going to you're you're facing right now. I want you to know you're going to win. Yes. Long term you're going to win. Come on, can I hear an amen? amen? But but what he's saying there, he's saying, look, don't remember, don't focus on how I did what I did back then. Because I want to do something new. I want to do something new. In other words, listen. He, 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 he wants us to not even call them to our attention. In other words, don't remember the past. He, he, what he's saying is we've got to forsake and forget the past with all its discouragement, with all its defeat, and move on to what God has for us in the future. Listen, if you're stuck in your failure, if you're stuck in your sin, if you're stuck in your discouragement of the past, you'll never go forward into new new things. It's so easy to live in comparison, isn't it? Yeah. It's so easy to live in the past, comparison. Listen, comparison will kill your ability to move into your future. As an individual and as a church, you need to forge out. My, my wife made this comment to me, and, and it so stuck with me. I thought, wow, what a great thought. She said, being sentimental will erode significance. Mm. Now think about it. You know, we could sit here and we could remember. I, I, I could remember, and I could say, you know, I remember, and, and it's a good testimony, and I bring it out a lot, but, oh, I remember how God did a miracle for us, and I remember how we went through all that, and I remember when God took us through this, and God brought us through there, and, and that's good, but God's saying, look, if you just are living in sentimental kumbaya moments, you're going to miss the opportunity that I want to do something new in your life. I want to, I want to open up some doors for you. I want to open up some opportunities for you that would actually blow your mind. Now, now folks, listen, I hope you can hear my spirit. I'm living in that right now. I'm living in it right now. God is taking me into new, new things that I could never have imagined. In my spirit, I could never have imagined them. But I, I, I've given up the thought of, I don't want to just remember the things of old. I don't want to be a Christian that says, hey, I remember when I led that guy to the Lord 20 years ago, and it was awesome, and, you know, God was good. But, I, you know, maybe there's, there's hundreds of people that God would want to do a new thing through my life. Yeah. Don't get so sentimental that your past accomplishments are, 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 are just the things that we live on and you're not dreaming and walking into some new accomplishments. Yes. That God actually wants to do something significant through your life today. Yes. 
that, yes, listen, it's important to remember that God is a God of victory, but God wants to do something new. Now, now, I was in Laos this year. I was with Jason uh, Prosser, who is Ben's brother-in-law, and we're 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 in a communist country, a communist country. I never thought I would go to a communist country. I'm in a communist country, and there's a girl in our hotel, and she's sitting there, and she's kind of I don't know what she was doing. She, I don't know if she was having a bad, bad breakfast experience, but she was kind of. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me about her, and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her at some point. This week, because she was in our hotel, and and then so we went off on our date. Well, throughout the day, at least twice throughout the day, we saw her, and but we weren't able to connect with her. And it was late at night. We got Jason and I were finished our ministry that night. It was about nine o'clock at night. The markets were open, so we were just kind of experiencing the Laotian culture and eating their weird food and all this kind of stuff. And we're walking through the market, and I I was buying something for my wife and. This girl walked by. So I said to Jason, I said, stop her. I got a word for her. I want to talk to her. So we stop. I buy my stuff for my wife. And uh, we stop and, and we get begin to talk to her. And just kind of shared the thoughts that God had given me. And she literally put her head on my shoulder and started weeping. She said, why does this always happen to me? You're the second guy that said this to me. Now here's the amazing thing. Here's the, here's the new thing. I'm from Canada. Jason is, is a Canadian, but he's living in Cambodia. We connect in Laos, a communist country. This young lady flew all the way from San Francisco, and God got a hold of her. I'd say that's a new thing. Listen, don't remember the past. Significance is what's before us, not what's behind us. It's what's ahead of us. Everyone, listen, God wants to do some significant things in your life. As you go, as you go forward, let believe that there's a significant moment. There's significant moments that God would want to take you into. Don't just remember the things of old. Don't, don't, don't sit in the kumbaya moments of how it was and, and how God did this and how God, God's saying, that's great, but I've got some new victories for you. I've got some new things that I want to do for you as a church. I've got some new things that I want to do for you as a family. Believe me for new things. So don't forget, don't forget. I think one of the biggest hindrances to the future is making comparisons with the past. They're not to remember how he delivered them and protected them. It's easy to get comfortable with a God we can fit into our own thinking and theology. Mm. (laughs) Right? You know, that's how God did it. That's how he's going to do it. No, he wants to do something crazy. He wants to do something wild. He wants to, he wants to take you on an adventure that would, would, would blow your mind. That, that, that actually as you're sitting down at a restaurant that God could actually speak to you about your waitress or your waiter and begin to speak to him. I was in Halifax this, um, this, uh, May. No, actually in September. Pardon me. I've been in Halifax a few times this year, but in, in, um, in September and, um, we were, we were doing some prophetic ministry and the guy I was with, he looks at the uh, waiter and he says, um, got his name, I think his name was Ben, and he says, Ben, have you had a sports injury? And Ben goes, yeah. He goes, was it a, was it a, like a cartilage issue? He goes, yeah, like he was getting freaked out, like, how do you know that? And I said, were you, were you, and we just kind of were tagged him, I said, was it related to hockey? He goes, yeah! 
The king was getting freaked out. He's going, who are you guys and how do you know this? And we were just talking and then we just started talking. We said, look, would you mind letting us pray for you? Uh, okay. Uh, can I get you your food first? And, and at the end of, I said, before the end of the evening, would you let us pray for you? And he said, yeah, I would. No, like that's a new thing. That, that, that's just something that's, that, that t- touched him at a moment. How, how would God want to use you? Well, this is how I've always done things, and this is how God's always used me. Well, maybe God wants to stir your nest a little bit and use you differently. Yeah. Amen, Gary. Good point. Hallelujah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Listen, don't get think- comfortable with how things happen. This is how God has always done it. God wants to do new things in our midst. Can I? Can you say new things? New things. So th- then he says this. He said, don't remember the former things. But then he says, behold. Say behold. 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 Th- this word actually means, it, it actually means study, set your focus upon, fix your eyes. So really he's saying, lift up your eyes. Like God wants to put their eyes. He wanted to put the children of Israel's eyes on something new that he would do. Would you believe that God would want to give you some new vision for some new things that God would want to do in and through your life that would, you just say, behold, okay, behold, I'm going to set, I'm going to set on some new things. I'm not going to look back to the past. I'm not going to look back to where I'm even currently, but I'm going to believe that God would want to do something new. You know, he, he wants to do a new thing. Yes. Come on, I, I believe in City Harbor Church, he wants to do some new things. You've yes. just changed your name recently, I think it's about, what, maybe a month or two or something like that, and uh, maybe a little longer. But li- listen, there's a new day dawning on your church. Yes. Come on, believe God. That, that, that God would actually want to provide for you a new building. Let's just let that sit in your spirit. Did God want to do a new thing? Like he would want to open up something new. Now, now, see, I get to travel, so I hear stories all the time. I was talking with a pastor last week. Do you know that uh, he's got a vision to plant churches? He's planting churches all over the world. And um, he has a church planter, uh, planted this church Got a church, maybe about, uh, 130 now. And, um, and he's, he, he's got a building that seats 80. So he's gone to two services. But you know that in the, in the last month, uh, last maybe six months, I'll say, that pastor has had given to him three church buildings. Three church buildings. I was in one of them. Like this thing was unbelievable. Right downtown, right in the city. The church had never had a presence in the city. They had a church that was, wasn't doing well. They came to him and said, Hey, could you take our building over? Would you like, would you like to come and help us? And now they have an opportunity to grow. The church seats about 400 people. It's a, it's an awesome building. And then he got two other buildings given to him. And I prophesied to him he's going to get more buildings, not necessarily to plant churches, but to sell the building and actually use it as resources for something else. Like, church, I, I, I just feel like I just need to drop this. I, I hope you're okay with this, but enlarge your thinking. Enlarge your perspective. God wants to do new things. Come on, say new things. New things. He, he wants to do new things. He wants to bring more people into the house of God. 
God's always about doing new things. God's all, always about, um, you know, listen, someone could get radical here today, go out onto the streets this week, lay hands on someone who's crippled, and they get saved, and automatically hundreds of people go, I gotta go to that place. Where'd you, where'd that happen? Like, like, you gotta remember, okay, like Book of Acts stuff, okay? Peter's, every day, every day, they would go to the place of prayer. Every day. Probably saw the beggar every day. You know, and the beggar's going, give me something, give me something. And the Bible says, he set their eyes, he set his eyes on them, and Peter said, hey, silver and gold have we not. I'm using old King James. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up! All of a sudden, he got up. Now, how many, how many know that's a new thing? Right. <laughs> how many know that, that changed some things, wouldn't it? Come on. Listen, I, I, I get to travel the world. I just, just want to keep telling you that because that's a promise. But I'm, I'm in other places of the world where I'm seeing, seeing people get healed from blind eyes and deaf ears and I'm watching it. Why can't it happen here? Behold, I will do a new thing. Set your focus. God's going to do a new thing. Set it in your spirit. New things are going to happen. Come on, say new things. Come on, say it in your spirit like you mean it. New things are going to happen. God's going to do new things. Behold, I will do a new thing. Listen, staying stuck, staying stuck in the past can keep us from the new thing God wants to do. If Israel had stayed stuck in their discouragement and seduction of Babylon, they would never look for a new thing of release from exile. Right. Every new beginning has to have an ending. Right. And so some of you might be in a season of ending right now. You're thinking, oh, we're losing something. Hey, it's okay. Loss means a new beginning means a new thing that God wants to do. And so God is preparing the children of Israel. They haven't even gone into captivity, but they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And so he's saying, in the midst of your captivity, don't get comfortable with it. Don't get comfortable. Don't get seduced into thinking, this is all we're going to have. This is all we're going to be. This is who we are. This is our identity. Behold, I will do a new thing. Come on, behold, I will do a new thing. Yes. Come on, don't get stuck in your in, in where you're at right now. Look at your life and say, behold, he will do a new thing. Yes. Come on, behold, he will do a new thing. Listen to what he says. Behold, I will do a new thing. Look at now it will spring forth. Say now. now. Come on, say now. now. Not tomorrow, not, not yesterday, not next week. Now it will spring forth. Come on, believe God. Now it will spring forth. I I, I said this to Ben. Last week, we were both in Portland. I was in Portland on Sunday night. We were at the, at the, the, whatever it was, the service. service, Yes. And uh, a, a prophet came up to me and he began to prophesy over me. And he said this, I'm going to send you into dark places. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. I'm thinking, I'm going to dark places of the world. I have a conversation with Ben, literally, I think it was the next day, and we're talking about me coming here. And his first words out of his mouth is, Baltimore is a dark place. Now, 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 you see, I don't take that as a light thing. I don't think he, he wasn't saying that in a bad sense. He was just saying, hey, it's a dark place. But I looked at it and said, yesterday, a, 
not even yesterday, like not even eight hours, ten hours ago, a guy said to me, I'm going to send you into dark places. And then Ben says, hey, you're coming to a dark place. And then I get to go to jail. Yes. <laughs> I've never been to jail. Hallelujah. And I got, they got me out. Now, now you see, listen, how many would believe that that's a new thing? Yes. How many, how would you say that now it's springing forth? See, that's how I, I, I live that way. I try to, I correlate things. I'm saying God spoke it and boom, it happened right now. Yes. Now it will spring forth. Now I'm not a gardener. Actually, nor is my wife. Um, but, uh, we were, we had, we, uh, fixed up our garden this year. Oh, I got five minutes, right? Uh, we, we fixed up our garden this year and, um, we had this plant. I don't even know what the name of the plant is. But the amazing thing about this plant is that it bloomed and died seven times. It was an amazing plant. And every it had these beautiful red, pinkish flowers that would blossom. And then we'd, we'd experience it for about two weeks. And then everything would die. My wife, the first time it died, my wife said, I killed the plant. I said, just keep watering it. Just keep watering it. As soon as she kept watering it, about three or four days later, it started to bloom again. Then it would, it would, it would flourish, and then it died. Then it would flourish. And I felt like the Lord speak to me and say, I, I, if you'll just let me water you, I'll, you'll bloom many times. You'll bloom many times. Listen, now it will spring forth. God wants to bring some new things. You might be in a season where you feel like, hey, I haven't bloomed and, and maybe, maybe I'm, my, my flowers are wilting. God wants you to bloom again. God wants to do a new thing. You will, listen, he says, you'll know it. You'll know it. And then he says, I will make a road in the river. I, I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, what he's saying there, he's saying, I'm going to make it faster and easier than when you came out of the wilderness before to the children of Israel. It took him how many years to get out of the wilderness? Forty years. But listen, he's saying, hey, I'm going to make it quicker. I'm going to make it further. I'm going to make it smoother. I'm going to provide whatever you need through the wilderness. God is about to do a new thing here. Now, this is a this is not a quote from me. It was actually a friend said this. You know the scripture says, nothing is impossible with God. Now, I want you to hear this. With God, you never end up with nothing. Because nothing is impossible with God. Did you catch that? With God, you never end up with nothing. How many are living in a nothing right now? I'm telling you, you're never going to end up with nothing. Because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? So, Father, I thank you this morning just for this exhortation, this word. Lord, I pray for City Harbor Church, Lord, that you would take them into new things. You would do new things for them. Lord, that what would resonate in their hearts right now is the word, Behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. I ask, Father, that you would stir every heart, stir every mind, 
Stir every person here under the sound of my voice to have faith. Lord, to act on what we believe. To act upon the Word of God. Lord, that we would not deny our circumstances, but Lord, that we would deny their authority over us and their, their ability to dictate the outcome of our life. But by faith that you would help us to see, Lord, that you will do a new thing. I don't know who's here today. I want to give everybody an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. I want to give you an opportunity. Um, Again, like I said, I don't know who's here. So you could be visiting this morning. Somebody may have invited you. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and you'd like to, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Lord to help you and and, uh, strengthen you. Is there anybody here? here this morning, thank you, how many here this morning would would say, God, I, I want to live in the new. I want to I see some new things happen in my life. You put up your hand. We're just going to pray a prayer of new things. So Father, this morning I want to declare over this group of people, this church, that you would do new things. Lord, even as a church, that you would provide finances and resources and and uh, all that is necessary for them to do what you have called them to do. Lord, that you would bring increase as only you can do. That you would supernaturally open doors and opportunities and favor and partnerships in the name of Jesus. I pray for every family represented here. Lord, that you would just move in a supernatural way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We do? Okay. Amen. I, I want to take some time if I could, and, and um, I just want to minister over some people prophetically. Are we good with that? Awesome. So I'm just going to have you stand up. If you have a recording device, I would encourage you to record it, because that's always good to get a phone. You can sit down, there. Sit down. Sit down. I'm just going to ask somebody to stand up. Why don't you guys stand up? A couple right here. Do you have anything to report? This? Okay. All right. So maybe somebody can record your getting the report. Okay. How about the couple at the back, too? You can stand up, too. Good. Yep. What what's our purpose and what's what's the 